Hello, and welcome to the podcast of Emmanuel Assemblies of God in Knoxville, Tennessee. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen. If you're ever in our area, we invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For times and locations, please visit at EmmanuelAG.com. Can I just tell you today, this thought came to me up there. If you won't give out of your poverty, you'll never give out of your plenty. I heard a wonderful pastor, I'm pretty sure I got this from him in Jackson, Tennessee, that I heard him say that. If you won't give out of your poverty, you'll never give out of your plenty. We always wait till we have it. And then when we have it, we're going to spend it on something else. Come on. Right? Come on, I will. And and I don't think you're, you're that much holier than I am. Well, some of you may be. Yeah. So I married up. So she was holy enough for both of us for a while. And uh, but my name is Rick and my wife, Susan Seaton, my mom and dad, Richard Maudie Seaton. We just call them Poppy and Nana. It's just so much easier. And uh, if you need a Poppy and a Nana, they're available. And uh, they're, they're good at it. They've been doing it for a long time. Uh, Susan and I celebrated 35 years of marriage last Sunday. Yeah, I know. And we're, yeah. And we're still in light. Yeah, yeah. We, uh. Well, I, I got so many things running through my head now. I better just keep moving. Y'all really think bad of me, right? I need I need you to like not think good of me for a little bit longer before you find out about me, right? But uh, we did. Uh, we moved here. We've been in ministry a little over thirty years. But uh, well, yeah. Do you count youth ministry? No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, and then uh, for the last twenty years, we were in a rural church in Henderson, Tennessee, which is south of Jackson. If you're in Jackson and you got to go to Mississippi, you got to come through us. So it was a great place to be, and and God was so faithful and uh, for blessing us there. And then um, uh, mom and dad were still living on the edge of Memphis, and they used to travel with maps, which is uh, Assembly of God, where they go to help churches this size build. Okay, when you don't have the workers, uh, all these guys are and women, men and women have retired. And so we used to call them and tell them, hey, we're a MAPS project. Y'all just need to move up here. And uh, But how many of you know God has to tell you to do things and not you? And so they uh, they did eventually hear God. And, uh, <laughs> well, Susan nagging. But, uh, okay, look, only one of us can preach at a time. All right? <laughs> you start talking and you can preach next week. All right? Yeah. So uh, I do want to share a little of our story here because I think God's got something for us today. I want to preach on on uh, problems and promises because some reason we've had this feeling that if we're having problems, then there's something wrong with us in our relationship with God. Now, the reality of that is there may be. If you're living in sin, okay, yeah, there's a problem there, all right? But I'm telling you, we have this thought that if something's happening in our lives that's contrary, that's bad, that Christians can't get cancer, that bad things don't happen to good people, all right, that, that there must be something wrong. I'm here today to tell you, how many of you believe that God has a plan for you? Come on. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How many of you know that Satan has a plan for you too? <laughs> okay. We just seem to forget about that. And we think, why is God mad at me? Why is God, why is God allowing this? Yes, God allows it but he's trying to do it with a purpose. How many of you let your, do, your children do everything they want to? All right, let me rephrase that. How many of you know you shouldn't let your children do everything they want to, okay, because it's not healthy. It's not healthy. Our children have lost the art of waiting, right? Yeah. Yeah, I love to, to tell the story of my son. 
We have a 31-year-old son He's in the Army. Their family lives in North Carolina. So moving here moved us six hours closer. Thank you, Jesus. 14 hours, man. It's just a long drive. And, uh, and I'm doing all the driving. And anyway, I'll explain that in a minute. And then, um, uh, then my daughter, who just turned 29 Friday, and uh, man, we're getting old, man. Uh, 29 Friday, uh, they have uh, two grandchildren as well. They live 10 minutes away. Yeah, if I brought, I didn't bring my phone in because I'd be showing you pictures, man, but they're awesome. So for Facebook friends, you'll just see a lot of it. And, um, but uh, uh, God changed our assignment. After 20 years, uh, God told me in January, he's doing a new thing at his church in Henderson. And he said, you're just not part of it. <laughs> Hurt my feelings a little bit. I'm gonna be quite honest with you. And I said, okay, well, if, if I'm not part of it, then, then what are you gonna do with me? And he says, you're free to go to Knoxville. <laughs> All right. So I just expected there to be a house waiting on us. And uh, obviously y'all were waiting on us. We walked in the door the first Sunday and uh, the first words out of the mouth, I believe it was David said, hey, we had a Rick and Susan. Y'all can come be our new Rick and Susan. <laughs> so I hope they had a good reputation and we might can be. I hope we don't ruin theirs. I don't know how that's going to go. So Rick and Susan, if you're visiting today, uh, yeah, so, because I don't know you, all right? In fact, I'm hoping that Pastor BJ one Sunday will just put name tags on everybody because I don't know who goes with who, <laughs> all right? And uh, as a pastor, I mean, man, you know, that, I mean, that, that is our superpower. I mean, you learn people's names. You learn who goes with who and how they're connected to who because in a small town, you learn really quick to be careful what you say about somebody because <laughs> they're all related yeah, yeah. And, and you don't say things about don't play spoons in church. And then you get really in trouble because somebody played spoons in church under the anointing of God. If you're musical, you know that doesn't happen. Okay. Okay. Un unless Kaylee's playing it. And then, yes. Okay. Then they're probably spiritual. All right. So um, uh, we moved here, man. And uh, God opened the door and uh, all our families up here. And uh, we just, we had birthday party with about 12 people and to have a, a back porch that fits everybody. I'm telling you, it's a real blessing. And we're just grateful. Can I just say thank you for opening your arms to us? I mean, we have visited churches, which has been fun. As a, as a pastor, I work every Sunday. And uh, so I've never heard some of my friends preach. I mean, you know, 30 years of ministry, some of us have been in ministry all those years together, and I've never heard them preach until... Uh, we quit. <laughs> I mean, we res we retired. We did not. We uh, we didn't quit. We, how many of you know when God calls you, you're called forever? How many of you know that when you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're called, right? You're called to be a witness. All right, everybody's in the back. You hear me? Okay. Yeah, you're you're you are a witness, and you are a witness until you take your last breath here and your first breath there, right? Because we're doing something for Him. We are here not for our own purpose. We're here for his, amen? And so um, just, uh, I'm, I'm gonna give you the cliff notes uh, of our story. Um, we, uh, we have a minister's retreat every year about this time. And it's ministers from across the state of Tennessee. I mean, it's the only time I get to hang out with my friends. Again, we work every Sunday. And then, and then you go to youth camp or kids camp and they may be the same week. But how many of you know when you're there, you're working because you gotta, take care of your kids and you're praying that God would mold them and make them and man, you would need them to have that time with God. So you're working hard 
So you're not really hanging out. So ministers retreat's just a time where we get to hang out. We get fed and physically and spiritually. And uh, it's just a wonderful time to be together. And uh, September 22nd, 2003, we'd been at our church for three years. And how many knows it's when we really get hungry and we just, we just throw everything aside because we're so hungry to see God do something. And we were at that point, okay, uh, when we went to Henderson in 2000, nine people voted us in. Yeah. I'm, I'm a proud to say we still had one couple left when we left 20 years later. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not saying all of them left like right after we got there. Uh, but uh, it, it took some time. But um, <laughs> only a few preachers will understand that. And uh, look, God weeds his own garden. Amen. You don't need to do it. So we, um, we were just in that three years, man, and God was doing great things. But how many know, man, I just want him to do so much more. And God never starts with everybody else. He's got to start with you. And man, we were so churned in our spirit. God, we, we are so hungry to just see you do something. And we can't manufacture it. And, and, you know, we had the good music at the time and we had everything going and it's kind of like, but God, this is, this is good, but it's, I want to really see the move. I want to know when, when you fall, I mean, it's nobody could, nobody could claim it. Nobody could claim it. And so we were really just turned in our spirit and we had, we had covenanted together that this retreat, God's going to really open us up. God's going to really do something in our lives. God's going to change us. God's going to turn us upside down. <laughs> Be careful what you ask for, what you believe for. So we had gone to Nashville that Sunday afternoon and spent the night with some friends in Nashville and headed here uh, that Monday, the 22nd. And it was pouring down rain, raining hard and um, we were just, again, just praying the whole time, uh, but it was raining so hard. You were under the speed limit because you couldn't hardly see in front of you. And uh, I mean, you know, you're not, if you pull off, that's even more dangerous because somebody's going to run over you. And, and so um, we were, we were doing everything right. We had our seat belts on. We had the radio off because we were just talking. What do we believe in God for? What are we doing? We're so just broken, and the words that came out of our mouth at that point were, God, whatever it takes. God, whatever it takes. I'm telling you, you got to be careful if you say stuff like that to God. Because he goes, okay. <laughs> he just might. And we just said, God, whatever it takes for us, give us the community. We want the community. God had opened up the schools. Look, you can't do that everywhere, but our schools were wide open. I mean, I had the school superintendent of the high school, at, well, he's the high school principal at the time, inviting pastors to come and speak to his students today. And I'm looking at all these preachers, and I'm going, why aren't y'all in there? And man, so God opened the door for us to go in there. Then he became the superintendent. Oh man, is God good or what? One of the mayors, his last name was Seton. And they go, are you related? I said, yep, Uncle Dwayne, Uncle Dwayne. So... <laughs> you know, I said it so much, he even started calling me his nephew, right? Right? Because God starts opening doors where you just never even really thought they could open and look. And God began to give us so much grace in the community, way beyond what we could ever, ever make up. And I was going, God, you called us here not to just pastor this little church. 
our church was about a church of 60 to 70. I mean, it stayed that way. I mean, you know, we, we hit 90, we hit 100 once. It's because we were giving stuff away. But anyway, yeah, I didn't give stuff away the next Sunday. And yeah, yeah. where did those 50 people go? But um, we began to pray and I said, God, I, I want to see such a move that, that it can't be an Assembly of God move or a Baptist move or a Methodist move. Just, just across the board, just watch your spirit. Just do what you want to do. And um, as we were just in the car, just agreeing together, God, whatever it takes, car hydroplaned, went down the embankment and uh, slammed into the trees. Uh, um, it was crazy. I mean, it was slow motion. I saw in my mind what was going to happen. And all we did was cry out to Jesus. Yeah, you can't practice that stuff. You just, Jesus, and then the lights were out. A tree shoved the back tire up into the trunk. Another tree shoved the back door behind me uh, up behind my chair. It broke our chairs backwards. My feet were dangling in midair because the tree took the front tire up into the engine and ripped out my floorboard. <laughs> They're just dangling. I mean, not that I'm not short already and they kind of dangle anyhow, but. Susan had blood coming out of her eyes and ears and her mouth. This, when I came to, I was looking out the left side of my car. My side of the car was totally destroyed. Hers, you'd, you'd buy it. I mean, it was immaculate. There wasn't a scratch on it. And as I came to, all the glass was gone except one little piece of glass that we had put this little sticker that said, God gives hope. That was the only thing that wasn't broken on my side of the car. And as I came to, I heard this voice said, it's going to be okay. I'm trying, I mean, I'm in a fog. And as I'm laying there and I'm trying to feel, I'm trying to feel, I look as, as I'm coming around and I hear that voice again, everything's going to be okay. And as I came around and I saw Susan and, and saw her just bleeding from everywhere and unconscious, that voice again said, it's going to be okay. And then I heard a voice say, sir, can you, are you okay? That's why I knew there was two voices. The door opened up and the, 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 the brightness kind of came in and I couldn't see anything but a silhouette. And I heard a voice saying, sir, are you all right? Can you move? And then I heard that voice again saying, it's going to be okay. It was just a whisper. It's going to be okay. I had to unbuckle her and push her out to him because we were on a slant. He said, I can't get in and get her. Can you push her? Can you move? Are you broken? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea, man. I don't know. And he said, can you push her? And I did. I had to put her hand, I mean, push her up to get her out. And he said, I'll be there to get you in a minute. And they did. Lot to the story. She's, I, I had concussion. I lost my sense of smell. I've had COVID for like 18 years. Uh, yeah, lost my sense of smell, taste. Um, uh, I, my mom said, well, thank God you hit your head. I, I don't know what she means by that. <laughs> um, Susan, long story short, was in a coma for two weeks, non-responsive for three. The doctor came out and said, sir, there's a 33% chance that if she does come out of the coma, and she may not, but if she does come out, she won't be the same way she went in. We don't know how many physical issues she's going to have, how many much medication. We don't know. 
He said there is a 33% chance if she does come out of the coma, and again, we don't know if she's coming out. He said, but if she does come out, she'll probably never walk again. She'll probably spend the rest of her life in a wheelchair on medication, okay, doctor's visits. He goes, there is also a 33% chance that if she does come out of the coma, you'll spend the rest of your life in a nursing home. And I'm not good at math. That's why I married her. But immediately I just said, well, that's 1%. And he goes, excuse me? And I said, okay, you just said 33, 33, 33. That's 99% of nothing good happening for us. And I said, so God's got 1% to do something. And he just looked at me and goes, yeah, I guess. And I said, dude, that's all I need. I mean, because that's all I had. We were so upside down. Her four-week hospital stay was over $96,000. That's just a bed. I can't tell you all the other stuff came in. I called my insurance. I've never seen this doctor before. Why am I paying him $200? And she said, don't worry about it. We're covering it. I'm going, but I am worried about it because I'm getting the bills. And they just, they were flooding in. It was so overwhelming. Somebody goes, why are you so peaceful? I said, because I'm so far underwater, I can't do anything. If God doesn't reach down and pull me up or breathe breath in me, I'm drowning anyway, right? I mean, it's just so upside down. And I don't know. When I say non-responsive, that means once or maybe twice a day, she would just open her eyes. You know, she finally got out of the ICU and they got her off all the tubes. Had to drill a hole in her head to let the pressure off. Crazy stuff you have to sign as a spouse to allow them to do, right? And so she got into a room and she may open her eyes, but it was really creepy because there was nothing there. I mean, there was no movement. She wasn't focusing. It was just, and then she would shut them and that'd be it for the day. And, uh, but she sat there because you had to roll her over every three hours. Man, I learned how to suck out the trach. That's pretty nasty stuff. Yeah, but you need it to breathe. I mean, you learn how to do stuff because the nurse don't move fast enough for me. I don't know about y'all if you've ever been in the hospital. Man, it's a black hole. You talk about lose time and life. So we come out, we go back to Jackson for six weeks, and then God opened the door for us to go to the Shepherd Center, to rehab center in Atlanta, Georgia. And the first thing they did was set me in an office in a, in a conference room with about eight or 12 people and every doctor had something. And they said, this is your team. This is Susan's team right here. Had pictures of them, names. I knew where they were. I had their phone numbers, man. And they said, we're going to get her walking. We're going to get her eating. She was on a, on a, a feeding tube. She had the peg and the trach. We're going to get her off the trach. And they did, by the grace of God, man. Because, I mean, you know, you don't know. I had to go to brain injury classes. And you know what that lady said to me? I was sitting in a class with another lady whose husband had a stroke, which when you have traumatic brain injury, you don't know what's working and what's not working until you don't know, right? And so she says in the class, she said, this is what we do know. We don't know how it all works. But we know that these are some of the things that happen. And she says, if they were very belligerent, people. They really were just, yeah, you know, in your face. She said that a traumatic brain injury could cause them to be very kind and meek and mild. But if they were very kind and meek and mild, they could come out really belligerent and cussing. And I'm thinking, oh, Jesus, that's going to be great to have a pastor's wife flipping people off all the time, right? <laughs> cussing people out, man. It's just like, oh, man. Yeah, she's my wife. I mean, come on, man. 
I'm asking for grace. I'm being honest with you. I'm just asking for grace here because I have no control over any of it. But these are possibilities that can happen. Can I just say problems happen to everybody? Let me just let me just quick run to the, the, the short version here. Here she is. She's cooking and cleaning and doing the laundry. Hallelujah. We hadn't burnt down the house. We were joking. Tell me your name again. Cindy. I was going to say Cindy's eyes closed. Cindy. Yeah. We have smoke detector. When it goes off, dinner's ready. <laughs> Come on, man. Your life changes because you have to shift with it. We have to be willing to shift. And I think that was my biggest problem. It was hard for me to shift. You know, I don't know if it's just a guy thing. Well, in some of it is a man thing, you know, it is shifting. And, but, but, but it was just, we, we have to learn. And I couldn't, and I never would have thought about some of the things that I would have to shift if I wouldn't have been in this situation. That's what I'm here to tell you today. It's okay to not be okay. It's okay to be in situations that you're in that you don't want to be in. I hate her not being able to talk. It is inconvenient to me. I know that's not very spiritual to you. <laughs> okay. See, now you husbands, when your wife wants, I don't know if your wife does this to you. My wife waits till I get to the other end of the house that then she wants to say something to me. Now, when your wife does it, you, what do, what do you do? You yell back. Because you're not going to go back to the other end. You yell back the answer or the comment or not everything she's, you want her to hear, right? You, <laughs> you holler back at her. I can't do that. When she waits till I get to the other end of the house, if, if I want to know what she's going to say, and she always wants me to know, I have to stop. I have to walk all the way back to the other end of the house. And then we play charades. Okay. Now, honestly, I'm grateful that we had this communication. We have our own language. She can call me on the telephone. She can't tell me what she wants on the telephone, but she can call me and we figure it out by the signs or she can say certain words. She can't put sentences together. Now she can sing every three words of the song while we're singing. But now if you do it now, she can't do it. And the brain is crazy. Divine design. Come on. They don't know how it works, but they know it works. And I'm going, so therefore somebody, because it's created, there must be a grand designer. Come on, man. I don't have a doctorate behind my name, but I'm smart enough to know that, right? I don't even know where I'm at in here, man. I just... It's really good stuff, all five pages of it. I don't know, just, we'll just go through. <laughs> Look, unfair things happen to everybody. Bible even tells you it rains on the just and the unjust. Everybody gets wet, whether you're smart enough to get in out of it, right? Everybody, everybody, we don't know. But I'm telling you, God did not cause our accident. Satan has a plan to kill me. He's tried to kill me three significant different times. With a car accident, cancer, and another illness. He's tried. And God, for some reason, just says, nah, yeah, I'm not ready for you to go. Okay? Well, if you're not ready for me to go, then you're going to have to heal me and you're going to have to put me back to where you need me to be. That's all I got, right? Because you and I, if we're not willing to stay in the fight, then God can't have a victory. I don't like being here. But God didn't ask me if I liked it. He, are you happy today? 
<laughs> He's got it rescued. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I'm not very spiritual. So you're, you're learning it, man. I just, God is concerned about your soul, not your happiness. You know, and there are times when we raise our kids. I'm, I don't care that they're happy. I care that they learn respect. I don't care that they're happy. I learn. I'm telling you, if you won't give out of your poverty and you win the lottery, you won't give the church the, the 10% off of that. You'll reason why that's a lot of money going to that church that I could do something else with, but I'll give them more than I would have normally given. Come on, we'll rationalize life. God's better than that. We owe him everything. Man, I got good scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, for I, have, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. There's to prosper you. Satan's got plans for you to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? Yeah? It's not the trouble and the problems that define you. It's how you handle and respond to those problems. Let me say this to you. More often than not, your difficulties and hardships confirm that you're in the will of God rather than out of the will of God. I'm just going to sit here a minute and see if that soaks in. Sometimes we think because God is allowing whatever's happening in your life and it's terribly inconvenient, maybe you need to learn something while you're there. While she's in a coma, man, I prayed every day, God, show me what I'm supposed to see. Show me what I'm supposed to learn. Holy Spirit speaking to her spirit. Then I'd have doctors come out and say, you know, um, you're just going to have to wait and see. And they would tell me stuff and they'd walk out and the nurse is going. And they'd walk out and the nurse would watch and believe. And she'd go, don't, hear, don't listen to what he just said. And she said, you talk to her. You speak life into her. You pray over her. And she said, because she hears every word. Doctors don't know everything. And she said, but I've been in here with the patients and we've prayed over them and we've spoken life over them and we've watched them get out of the bed and go home. And so you speak life into her every chance you get. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, do something. Speak to her while she's in that coma. Like, like that's the only way she's going to get it. I don't know about you, but sometimes I think God allows me to get on my back because that's the only time I really get quiet and still enough, long enough to look up and hear him. Nobody else? Okay, three of us, I feel better now. Come on, man. I, I'm too busy. My son's out in the back. Well, I probably shouldn't even tell this with kids in here. But anyway, <laughs> I might encourage some to do this. I go, son, why are you using the bathroom on the wall, back wall of the house? He goes, because I'm too busy to go in to use it. And I'm going, dude. He goes, the dog does it. I'm going, yeah. <laughs> we reason everything, don't we? God, if I'm going to do what you want me to do, then why is all this stuff happening to me? Come on. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. God, I'm working hard here. Why is nothing happening here? Why is this ground so hard? Why is it hard to do? Why does everything seem to be so hard? Everything shouldn't be this difficult, right? Why do I have a flat tire? Come on, man. You drive long enough, you're going to get one, right? Learn how to change it. It's not a big deal. Engine blows up. Yeah, it's a terrible inconvenience. We drive by, my dad, every time we would drive by the high school, Man, that's a lot of cars there. You know, when I was a kid, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I didn't get a car till I was 21, you know. Yeah, you got a job. You had to ride the bus. Yeah, family of seven. You have one car. Yeah, I know. Yeah, hills both ways, snow and barefooted. Yeah, I've heard it all. I've heard it all. Some of it may have been true, man. They had an outhouse. I'm just, I'm just saying. They remember indoor plumbing, but anyway, whatever. Yeah, history right there. Don't forget, God's got a plan for you, but so does Satan. And here's what I'm trying to tell you today as I wrap this up. If things are happening to you, do the, do, do the um, uh, inventory, right? Do the inventory. All right? Are you where you're supposed to be? All right? If you're out of line and stuff keeps hitting you and you're not supposed to be there, duh, right? Get where you're supposed to be. If we're not lined up with him, you're not going to have good reception. All right? You, you got to put yourself in place. And sometimes you got to put yourself in places that may not be uncomfortable, that may not be comfortable, but you're in line with him. See, God doesn't heal every time. I had cancer, in, uh, prostate cancer in, in 2012. And God told me I was going to have surgery. And I'm going, but you can heal. And he goes, I can, but I'm not going to. Not, not your way. I'm going to do it my way. And by me going through the surgery, it allowed me to speak into some guys' lives that now that I didn't have before. Now, I didn't like it. I'm losing body parts right and left here, man. You know, kidney, I mean, uh, I mean uh, not kidney, what I have? Gallbladder, yeah, that's one of those, man. I thought I was losing. I thought I was having a baby. I'm telling you, man, that thing hurt. Yeah. Kidney stones, man, I was crying. Man. And then I was angry. And then I was hurting again. And then I found out you can survive through it. Right? And then I had a nurse come in and say, oh, man up. I wanted to punch her out. Then I had another nurse said, I've had three kids and kidney stones. I'd have three more kids before I had kidney stones. I said, I want her. You get out. <laughs> right? Come on. We got to be around people. Look, God didn't stop Daniel from being thrown in the lion's den. But he sent an angel to shut the mouths of the lions. Right? He showed up. Daniel would have never known the people. It would never have made a story in the Bible if it had happened our way. Three Hebrew children, come on, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? He didn't keep them from being thrown in the fire. But by them being willing to follow God, even in the fire, allowed the king Nebuchadnezzar to see Jesus and to claim that their God is the God, and y'all better start worshiping him because I messed up, right? It would have never happened. Joseph being falsely accused and imprisoned, right? I mean, God gave him a dream and everything went downhill after that. You think you got it rough, okay? But then became second in command and saved the nation for the future. Set him up. The disciples from prison, right? I mean, Jesus was with the disciples in the storm. Come on, man. You would think that because Jesus was in the boat, that God would have put a cloud over it to protect them so that their part of the boat was running smooth. But Jesus was in the boat, in the storm, and they were freaking out because they were bailing water. 
All right, we're going to drown, Jesus. Wake up and freak out with us. And Jesus is going, why don't you rest with me? See the difference? Man, that was good. That wasn't even written down. That was good. Y'all missed it. Sometimes our circumstances are what guide us to where God wants us to be for his plan and for our good. There are foods. I'm, I'm a picky eater. I'm a meat and taters guy, man. <laughs> Plain. But there are foods that I like now only because I ran out of meat and potatoes. And I was hungry. Now, I don't know how y'all grew up, but my mama made one meal. And you ate it or you fixed your own. Well, I'm too lazy to fix my own. And so I learned to eat other things that I would have never eaten on my own because I was forced to. Hardships and circumstances are rarely, if ever, convenient, but they move us again to where we need to be to see God's hand. How do you know you can trust God? How do you know you can trust him? Come on, how do you know? I can tell you now I can trust him because I've seen her dead. I've seen her come back to life. They gave us no hope. How can I tell you that kidney stones won't kill you? You might think they will. Oh my goodness, man. Oh man, my friend. Oh, I, I got to stop. He's a big old boy. And he goes, man, I'm crying like a baby. And this little five foot nurse goes, get up off the floor, you little sissy. And he said, if I could have reached her throat. He said, that's all I can think of. That's a preacher. That's a man of God right there. Bro. Tim Van Duzer, you ask him this week if you see him. He'll tell you. He said, I wanted to just strangle that little nurse. He said, but I couldn't get my fans up because I was in that doggy position going, oh, Jesus. Mm, I've never had it, man. You just think you're dying. But you know what? When I found out I didn't die, when they hit me a week later, it hurt. Still hurt the same, but I didn't freak out. I didn't panic. Why? Because I experienced it. And it didn't kill me. How do you know you can trust God with everything? It's when you don't have anything else to give him. When you've already given it all to him. That's why I can tell you I trust God with my finances. Because when we had none, he was still providing. We hadn't missed a meal. Oh, man, my daughter came home from school. Oh, we had family meetings. I don't know if y'all do. And I'm going, okay, here it is. I bring in this much and we got this much going out. Okay, we cannot eat Taco Bell every week. We can't afford it, right? I'm sorry, Subway, unless my son gets a job, we can't eat it every day. And you know what? He got a job. <laughs> so see, Jesus provides. And he ate there two or three times a day because he was paying for it himself. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, when he joined the army and left, I got a phone call from the manager of Subway. We're missing Alex. I said, y'all lose a lot of money? She said, we have. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well, my grocery bill like dropped out. So we're doing good. I'm sorry for you. How do you know you can trust God? It's until you get to where you, ha why, you why does everybody, ha everything have to be so hard to learn? Why do we have to learn it the hard way? Right? Why do we have to get on our backs before we'll even give God an inkling? We'll pray when we're really desperate. You know what? We should have been praying before we got there. Right? Man. I'll close this scripture, man, because that's really the only thing that's going to change your life. Isaiah 41, 13. 
says, for I hold you by your right hand. I, the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid because I am here with you. He's with you. And what's the great about it? He said, I, the Lord, your God. Now, if he's not your God, yeah, you ought to be freaking out about right now. You ought to feel left out because if he's not your God, then yeah, he's not holding your hand. God tells us in multiple places, he won't leave us nor forsake us. And I love the way the NLT says it. I will never fail you nor abandon you. Leave us, forsake us. I'm gonna tell you, there were lonely nights. There was depressive nights. Went through depression. I mean, man, what's it gonna be? What's it gonna look like? I lost my right arm. I'm gonna tell you, man, because we had this discussion, Pastor BJ and I, man, man, we understand how much our wives do. And all of a sudden, man, I don't have that there. And I'm having to figure things out. She's the administrator. I'm just out front guy. You know, do the song and dance while y'all are, while she's doing all the work in the background. And all of a sudden God says, but I'm shifting you. You're going to have to learn. <laughs> Man, you're going to have to be better at it. You're going to have to do things that you've never done before. Every dad ought to change his kid's diaper. You helped with that. What's up with that? Oh, yeah, I don't, I don't change their diapers, man. My wife does that. No, no, uh-uh, no. My, I, your, my wife's meaner than yours. <laughs> she just said, no, no, we're doing this together, right? There are things that we're not, we don't like to do, but, it, oh, man, I, I know, I know. Hebrews chapter 13, 5, I'm going to close with this. That's only my second close, so I've got three more. I hadn't preached in a month, man. Hebrews 13, 5. And I'm going to read this out of the Amplified because uh, okay, Cindy's husband, is it Larry? Yeah, he's the Amplified guy, right? Yeah, see, I, I'm listening. I'm, pay, I'm watching. I'm paying attention. Hebrews 13, he's just talking about different things, okay? Talking about marriage, being good to your spouses. He's talking about the love of money, okay? Don't put your trust in the money. Be satisfied with what you have. And then it it finishes the thought here. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. Okay? But the Amplified Version adds a whole bunch of thoughts to it. I like what you said, Wednesday. The Amplified Version says this. I will never, under any circumstances, desert you. Make anybody feel good? Man, I'm there. Man, in a day and age where we do, you know, do you take her or him to do this and do that and love them through the good and the bad and while you got money and when you don't have money? Man, we've, we've been the poorer more than the richer and we've been the sicker than the healthier lately. And I mean, it's just, will you be there when I'm out? That's the question. And to the best of our ability, 35 years ago, I said, yes, I will. Now I have thought it over several times in the 35 years. But I've always come to the same conclusion. She didn't, I'm going to be honest with you. There were times when I wish I was, the accident would have reversed because she would have done a whole lot better job than I've done. Okay? Now, that's my heart. That's just me speaking because she's way more compassionate. She's way more, man, God's got this. He's going to do this. There were so many times, man, I was just, you know, God, I know you are, but I sure don't feel like you are. And then I would get a call from a good friend, Randy. And he says, man, you're on my heart today. How are you? 
I said, I am sucking air, man. I am not doing well today at all. Susan's on my last nerve. And I, I don't, I, I feel ashamed. I feel guilty because she's on my last nerve, but she can't help it. She could help it. We'd have a different story. And I said, I, I'm having a hard time working through this. I will never under any circumstance desert you nor give you up. Man, I won't give you up. I won't leave you without support, nor will I in any degree leave you helpless. Come on, is there anything left for God to do for you? If you're still whining after reading this, then you don't want to be right. You, you don't want to be healed. You don't want to get straight because there's certain responsibilities when you get better. Yeah, I got to go back to work if I get well. nor will I forsake or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly, assuredly not. Assuredly means certainly, certainty that something is true. Nor will I forsake or let down. I won't relax my hold on you. I don't know about you, but there are times when I just can't hold on anymore. And I just feel his arm up under mine, man, just, ho just holding me. Just, and I'm just dangling. I can't hold on anymore. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. Pastoring's hard. If you're not praying for Pastor BJ and Rankin, if you're not praying for them every day, shame on you. If you're not praying for them every day, protection and health, pastoring is exhausting because they love you so much. They are thinking about you all the time. They're thinking, oh, I need to check on them. I didn't see them. He knew you hadn't been here. I had never met you. I've seen her. And he, she, wasn't, she hadn't been here a couple of weeks. I noticed she hadn't been here. And he, but he recognized they talk about you. They look for you because God has given them, you, given them, given you to them. Y'all understand that? That's how we, that's how we talk. Y'all need to catch on. <laughs> <laughs> we may stay long enough, hopefully. Y'all have accepted us now. We're in. I'm just saying, we're here. So, yeah, like it or not. Welcome to the family. I'm telling you, God knows where you are. What I want you to know today, God sees you. God sees you. God sees you. There were so many times I just needed somebody to come up and I had a stranger in the hospital go, sir, I don't know you, but I'm just here to tell you, God sees you. And I'm thinking, and I turn around and they're not there. And I'm thinking, oh man, was that an angel? And that was a nurse. But it was exciting too. Could have been, I thought, man, because why would she say that? But I needed that word that day. God wants to use you the same way. You and me to just speak life into somebody. Look, you can be kind. It really doesn't cost you anything. A smile. You, well, I don't feel like smiling. God didn't ask you if you felt like it. God said, can you, because I've done so much for you. That's what gives me the smile, not because I feel like it. If I, if I felt like it, we probably still wouldn't be married because there's been some times where I don't even feel like being married. But she reminded me. And God will remind you. God sees you and he cares. He cares about every little thing that you're going through. Look, what I'm struggling with may not be a big deal to you. What you're struggling with may not be a big deal to me. And I want to say, oh, man, uh, that's silly. That's silly. No, 
God cares about that. Why? Because you care about it. He knows what you need before you need it. Isn't that what he says? And he says, you, you know, the birds and the fields and all that, you know, the flowers. I mean, look, they need the food. They need all that stuff. And he said, I understand you need it. I'm not against you having a nice car. But you don't need to stress over it. And if you're stressing over it, maybe that's not what you need. He sees you today. He sees you today. So if you're in the, in the middle of a hard time, inventory. Are you there because of your own silly decisions? Okay. Are you there because maybe uh, Satan's trying to destroy you and to trip you up and to mess you up? Number three, maybe, maybe you're there because God's trying to teach you something. God's trying to show you that he is already there, already preparing a way out so that you can testify to him. Everybody loves a testimony, but nobody likes the test. <laughs> yeah, just go ahead and give me the A because, you know, I know this stuff. I don't trust you. Come on, man. The only way I know that you've learned it is to what? Take the test. How do you know you can really trust God is by being willing to do whatever he sets you up to do. Here am I. Send me, right? That attitude. Perhaps he may do something. Right? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, I just thank you again for your word. I thank you again that you are with us. I thank you again that you do have a purpose and a plan. I thank you, God, that we don't have to be defined, God, by the situations. But God, we, we do have to look to you and to trust you. And I pray that you would help us to do that today in Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed. It's just time to be honest with yourself. Be honest with God. And maybe you'd say, yeah, Rick, I, I'm in one of those situations, man. Just, I'm just having a hard time walking through where God's got me. But I recognize today that maybe God's got me here to learn something. And I don't want to miss it. If that's you, could I see your hand? You, between you, me, and God. Okay, all right. Once You, you can put your hands down. I, I feel like I'm in the middle of something. I may not understand where I'm at, but I really feel like maybe I, I, maybe I hadn't seen something. I want to I wanna get what I need to get. I don't want to have to come back here, but I want to learn. God, give me your eyes so that I can see. Anybody else before we move on? Can I just ask you this morning, maybe, maybe you're in a situation in this, the confusion. You just feel overwhelmed today and you just need his presence. Can I see your hand? Okay. Okay. Yeah, you can put it right back down. Yeah, I just feel overwhelmed today. I just, I just need to know he sees me. Can I just ask you today, none of this makes sense unless you have a personal relationship with Jesus. And maybe you're here today. Hey, I don't know you. And maybe, maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You never saw the reason for a Savior until today. And all of a sudden, it's like, man, I, I need a Savior. Or maybe you've accepted Him at one time, and man, life gets busy. Situations mess up our vision and our reception. And you know today you'd say, uh, Rick, I, I'm, not, I'm not where I need to be in my relationship with Him, but I want to make it right today. If that's you, could I see your hand? It's between you, me, and God. Okay, you can put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. I want to ask everybody to stand, if they would.
I'm going to turn it back over to Pastor to finish as he feels the Lord. Man, what a great opportunity, man, during this song as they worship. If you just want to get right with God, draw close to Him, man. These altars are always open. I think that's one thing that drew us here. Look, we visited several churches, and they're good churches. So we want to go where, where it's just, man, we want to get close to God. And we feel that immediately with the pastors here. And it's, you know, none of us have it going, right? None of us have it perfect. Man, there are times we just need to get right and get real with Him. Amen.